Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the incomparable network of podcasts. Today we're going to talk about Season 4, Episode 12 of Supergirl, titled Menagerie. I'm your host, David Schaub. And I'm Deanna Chapman. And here's the recap. A jewelry thief and an alien merge to form the symbiotic heart-eating jewelry-thieving supervillain menagerie. John takes on a case with Kara, which conveniently overlaps with the DEO. Kara tries to help Alex as Kara instead of Supergirl, but this doesn't work because Alex worries about Kara too much. While Kara presumptuously blames herself for Alex's life choices, it is Alex who ends up making her own decisions. Agent Liberty ignores his wife and talks his son into becoming a bigoted terrorist. Luckily, George lives, cuts off an alien snake's head, and helps force the president to pardon Ben. Brainy wants to train Nia, but she isn't ready, so she invites him to a Valentine's Day party, gets a pep talk from Kara, then heeds the call. When Brainy comes by again as a date, she wants to train. James and Lena fail to communicate, and Lena decides to ignore him after asking him to be her conscience, signs a deal with Haley to militarize her superhuman research, and they break up. Also, Menagerie and Manchester Black are in talks. I have to say, this was a very busy 24 hours of a Valentine's Day. And I realized <laughs> yeah. this was all taking place in pretty much 24 hours from the asteroid crash at the beginning to the final battle and the t chats at the end. So it was a very, very dense timeline, which barely holds together. Yeah, I think right off the top, though, we have to at least give a little mention to the venom nods in this episode because there are craters with symbiotes in venom and the whole we are menagerie thing is totally a rip of we are venom <laughs> and dc was doing their best venom impression i don't know if it worked but it, it was there <laughs> i don't know if this is the best group of snake villain that i can think of i've seen others in other <laughs> shows i don't know if it quite works and the a CGI and just dumping the snake in the background of the scenes and you never know where it connects to her. It's a little weak, but it definitely has a Venom-like feel to it. Yeah, it was one of those things where we're like, oh, okay, this is what DC is choosing to do with this episode. And you can tell that sometimes they have nods to not only the characters outside of their universe, but I'm pretty sure you know, Spider-Man has been mentioned on an episode of The Flash or something to that effect. And they sort of just slip these things in. But this one was pretty blatant, if you ask me. And I think because it's a TV show, obviously it, the CGI, like you said, and not really knowing where these things were coming from off of her body, it was like, okay, is this you know, kind of just attached to the back of her neck, but then why can she shoot them out of, like, her fingertips or whatever she was doing earlier? A menagerie implies a group of snakes. Like, it, it is a collection of snakes, not one snake, but it was super unclear. But let them run with it. My question about menagerie was, are we supposed to be surprised that the snake merged with Pamela? Because it felt pretty obvious that DEO is going after an alien that's stealing jewels. And I was like, well, obviously this is a symbiotic relationship. And it wasn't clear to me that they held so long to try and make it a surprise that it was Pamela. Yeah, that did seem weird. Because we kind of know right from the start that it's going to pick her 
over the guy she was with because she was the one who seemed to really be in charge. So it's like, okay, they're going to go with the alpha personality here. And like you said, stealing jewels and whatnot, definitely her MO. And they probably should have connected that a lot faster than the show let them. I almost think they shouldn't have given us the initial scene. They could have not given us that scene and not shown us Pamela to begin with. And then maybe, of course, it would have been a surprise. But for some reason, they gave us a lot more information than they gave the DEO or Kara. So we're just waiting for them to catch up, which was a choice. Yeah, they easily could have shown us basically the crater with the snakes in it. And then maybe shown a car driving away from that, but not show us Pamela's face. I think that would have been a little more effective with the whole mystery of hey, who is this? And since we got that from the start, it was like, yeah, we kind of already knew this, guys. Thanks. That bit was a bit strange. There, there are aspects of this plot and the density of time that is kind of shocking because they have to have the party happen at about five o'clock in the afternoon. And all of these things are aligned in time to try and make this very dense Valentine's Day thing. And I have to say, this show is willing to play it on the nose pretty strong. Absolutely. Do you think they tried to cram too much into this episode? Because at times for me, it felt like it was a little disjointed because it was like, okay, here we have this whole thing with Menagerie going on, but they threw the Agents of Liberty and the kid in it and everything like that. And then you have the whole Lena and you have the whole Lena plot line as well. And then it just really felt like you had some of these characters, especially Kara, trying to do too much. She was trying to be the journalist, trying to work with Jean, and then trying to get Alex's attention and help her. And it was like, oh, okay, this, like you said, it's very, very dense. But I think that also made it feel a little disjointed. I think they tried a little too much. Um, I was, when building the recap, I was noticing that I just kept having to add different items to it because of how many things that are going on. And there's a few points in the plot where things just barely hold together in terms of how to engage with the Children of Liberty. Children of Liberty, not Agents of Liberty. Yes. Well, they they kind of call themselves, like, or doesn't the dad call himself the Agent of Liberty or something? He's Agent Liberty, and they're okay. the Children of Liberty. See, I can't even keep track of these things because there's too many. <laughs> Well, my question is, is he the baby of liberty or baby liberty? I don't quite know <laughs> what the right term is. I'm going with baby liberty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. There was too much because in order for the children of liberty to get to where they needed to be, things happened that actually didn't make any sense. Um, that's where I think it really fell apart. And they didn't need to have Lena and James go through this in this episode, but it's the Valentine's Day episode. So they had to cover... Lena and James' relationship, and they had to cover Bernie and Nia's relationship. So I think they just wrote themselves into a corner where they just wanted to do so much. The thing I think they shouldn't have done was Kara spending so much time worrying about her blocking Alex's path, because that didn't really even make any sense to me. So yeah. I don't know why they spent time on that. It was almost like they tried to take things back to season one a little more where we get the whole little cat co side of things which they've moved away from that a lot especially considering 
James's role in the show. You know, he went from having all of these guardian moments to taking over Catco, but then it's sort of like that all fell by the wayside. And I'm not upset that the guardian stuff did because I wasn't a huge fan of that whole little section of the show anyway. But I feel like, especially now with John having his private investigator job, they could go back to some of that journalism aspect that they've moved away from a lot just because you could have Kara helping Jean in that way and not needing to be Supergirl and be involved with the DEO at the same time. They can sort of just have their own little moments, but this episode tried to do everything they could with Kara as herself instead of as Supergirl, and it was just too much for them to do in such a short amount of time. I, I liked the idea. There's an idea there. There's a bunch of good ideas in this episode. And a good idea yeah. was Alex can't work with Supergirl, so let's try and see if we can have Alex work with Kara. And that's an interesting idea. Now, it doesn't work for a few reasons, not the ones they mentioned, of course. The main one is I don't think Black Ops teams generally have a press attache that they walk around with. Right. The tag-along really makes no sense. But it's a nice idea of saying, well, okay, I can't work with her as Supergirl. Let's try as Kara. It's it's an idea. It's something to play with. So I can understand them wanting to try that, but it doesn't really work. And it didn't work. So maybe that's fair. I liked the scene where John shows up at Catco and is impressed by the renovations and says that it looks like an, an actual newsroom, to <laughs> yeah. which I said to the screen, because we all know nobody at Catco actually reports the news. That's why I'm sort of thinking that they could have Kara team up with Jean more because he'll be handling sort of these more personal local stories instead of trying to get the big scoops on what the DEO is doing, even though the DEO technically doesn't exist to everyone else in the city. Yeah, and that would make more sense. I'm just always hesitant with how this show represents uh, the media journalism. organization <laughs> and journalism. It's always a little on the weak side. I'm certainly inclined to agree with that. And, you know, I think they could have stretched out a lot of these ideas over several episodes and maybe have Kara try to warm Alex up to the idea of her tagging along on certain things to get the story. But just jumping right into it, it's like, oh, OK, well, now where do we go from here? Because you already kind of went headfirst into all of these things in this episode and something's going to have to play out somewhere along the line. And it required a huge number of coincidences of yeah. <laughs> having them show up at the place at the same time where the, of course, this is Valentine's Day. So we have the motif of an affair happening. And because they're having an affair on Valentine's Day, they get their just desserts, I suppose, and get their hearts stolen. The motifs are very heavy. But the number of coincidences necessary to have them show up together and try working together is pretty out there. Yeah. I also thought it was pretty funny having Kara say that she's not going to use her x-ray vision to look inside of the house where the people are having the affair <laughs> out of some type of decency, even though in Elseworlds, we saw her checking out that woman with her x-ray vision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then she uses it anyway at some point in the episode to look for the safe and just happen to stumble upon it. Well, I think at that point, she figured the dead bodies weren't doing anything inappropriate. <laughs> So it was True, safer. there is that. Ah, <laughs> uh, this also has a bunch of 
Valentine's Day things they did actually cram into that. But regarding uh, Nia and Brainy, I actually was pretty happy with their work in this episode. Their first scene where Brainy shows up, I really quite like the dialogue they have. And now this episode has fewer cases of just making Brainy a goof for the sake of a joke. And we get the banter between Nia and Brainy that I, that I thought was a lot better in this episode. I've really enjoyed the two of them together because they are sort of the two who feel like they're outsiders in comparison to everyone else. And Brainy doesn't really understand why he is sometimes an outsider. But as the audience, we really understand that. And with Nia, it's just something she feels because of her powers. But I think now knowing that Kara is Supergirl will sort of warm her up to that idea. And we see that in this episode later when the two of them team up against Menagerie. And I think going in that direction feels a lot better than the whole Guardian going solo and doing his own thing because he doesn't have actual powers. Yeah, a lot of it works a lot better than some of the other pairings that they've tried to build up. As they try and build up this family, we see repeated the use of the word family in terms of Kara and Brainy trying to uh, pull Nia in. And even at one point, Nia says, I would love to join your family someday while putting her hand on Brainy's shoulder. But even the first line where Brainy shows in and tries to be clear to say that I'm not here for a date while being backdropped by hearts and Valentine's Day decorations, to which she says, happy Valentine's Day to you too. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it is that Brainy has exceptionally little emotional maturity in the show. And that's maybe not fair how they present him, but it's certainly how they do present him. And he doesn't realize he's an outsider. He doesn't know he's an outsider, as you were saying. Whereas Nia is far stronger in, emotion, in emotional intelligence. But not only that, but she knows why she's been an outsider. And she's right. fought that battle. And so she has this maturity and wisdom which we, we really see as a nice pairing against Brainy. Regarding her grief, I like the line where Brainy says, have you considered putting your grief into tiny boxes? To which she says, that doesn't sound very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some people who are like that and they sort of compartmentalize things. You know, when they're at work, they're at work. When they're at home, they're at home. And that's one thing, but Brainy isn't really too understanding of exactly how Nia is feeling. And I think as we see the two of them start training together, maybe she'll rub off on him a little and he'll sort of start to understand those emotions more just because he'll be surrounded by them in a different way. You know, we really only see Brainy with the same group of people this entire time. He doesn't really seem to know anyone else outside of the DEO. I think the real question is going to be whether or not they keep trying to use him for cheap jokes. Yeah. And, and whether we'll see their relationship, which presumably will happen, uh, will make him progress away from just being that. And, and if nothing else, because they'll be spending the brainy scenes in the episodes more dealing with this relationship, I think we'll almost certainly get less of brainy pure as, purely as comedy relief. I also thought that their powers make an interesting pairing. Yeah. Because Brainy knows everything and is a bit of a know-it-all, but he doesn't know the future. He's only constantly guessing it while she knows the future. 
that occurred to me as a, a nice pairing for their powers as well as their personalities. It really feels like we haven't even seen the full extent of Brainy's powers. We know what he can do, but they aren't really too keen on showing us that a lot. You know, like you said, they use him for comedic relief a lot. And it's nice to have those kind of characters, but given his capabilities, it almost feels like they're not using him as well as they could. And I'm not going to outright say I don't like how they're handling him at all, because I think they're sort of building up to something, especially with this relationship with Nia, that I think can allow him to grow in a different way that isn't just showing us how intelligent he is. I have a lot of hope for this. The only scene that was a bit too comedy reliefy was having him having to hide from the roommate. And <laughs> In the it closet. did seem yeah, it did seem ridiculous that he went there as her date, but we didn't really see them interact at all. And that I was a little sad about that they had to have the scene later on where he actually can go and try and give her chocolates to which Yvette still eats them. Yeah. <laughs> that comedy relief was a bit strange, but Again, it still was uh, much lighter than sometimes how they've mistreated him. Yeah, and it's one of those things where this didn't feel too overdone in this episode in particular because it really did fit in with the Valentine's Day theme more so than I would say the rest of the other scenes that were supposed to, you know, form themselves around the whole idea of Valentine's Day and everything like that, probably because most of them ended up turning out poorly. So yeah, this was the only happy Valentine's Day story in the entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> the only part of the plot which they didn't cover at all for Valentine's Day was Agent Liberty dealing with his wife. Because I was thinking that boy is she being used for window dressing and is being horribly underutilized in this episode. But that was before I remembered, oh and it's Valentine's Day too. And still she gets basically no lines, no under no scenes. She's she's there in the background effectively. Uh, and again that character seems woefully misused. She's really just shown as the supportive wife in this episode and it's like, "Oh, okay, really? That's how this is going to be?" Because I've noticed that the children of Liberty, as far as I can tell, it's all a bunch of dudes. So, you know, there aren't really too many women who seem to be involved with it. I think we've seen one or two, but that's at most. Yeah. There's an aspect of what the show wants to yes, present. Yes, there is that. <laughs> so they're presenting Ben as um, a bigoted jerk who is holding beliefs that are out of date. And so perhaps having him treat his wife and having her act in an out-of-date way fits with that mode. Yeah. But it just seems a pity. Yeah, it's really unfortunate for the character, because when we were seeing a little more of her, and she had these emotional beats tied to her character, that felt way more effective. And now it's just like she's moved into the background and is sort of just this figure piece for Ben. Yeah, I, I like the turning point when she decided to support him in his cause, and then it went nowhere. But no, instead he decides to take his teenage son and trying to turn him into the terrorist that he is. The thing is, you can tell the kid is a better person than his father, though, because he has the chance to just kill Pamela and Menagerie outright, and all he does is end up basically cutting the head off of the snake, which 
as we see later on in the episode towards the end there. Doesn't work, but, you know, it's the thought that counts, kind of, sort of. And I think that sort of puts him in a slightly better light than his father, because who knows what the other children of Liberty or his father would have done in that moment. It's certain that it might have played to the cameras worse if he actually decapitated Pamela at that point. Yeah. So it's also possible he just didn't think it was uh, a better PR move. True. But I agree <laughs> that they're at least presenting George, or I think this I'll keep calling him Baby Liberty, as more redeemable than his father. And I would certainly hope that would be true. I hadn't had the thought that he was making a choice to cut off the snake's head or cut off her head. I didn't occur to me that that was uh, potentially a choice he was making, and that's an interesting thought. I think that mostly came across to me because Supergirl shouts something out, like, you don't have to kill her, or I can take her in. And he kind of looks up and then just swings the giant sword down and cuts the head off the snake. And in that few seconds there between him looking up and actually doing it, you don't really know what he's going to do. At least that's kind of how it felt to me. And then you just see him cut the head off the snake and you're kind of relieved, even though you can't necessarily determine if he knew that it was going to be a better PR ploy or if he was just doing it because he thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah, no, that's a super interesting question. I think we'll have to see how he plays out and whether he's going to continue being as much of a character in the Children of Liberty story or not. I do want to give this show a little credit, though, with not trying to just have one big bad for the entire season and kind of pushing everything else to the side, because at times it's felt like The Flash has done that. They had this huge season that surrounded the entire Savitar storyline and everything like that, and it really felt like that just consumed the show too much. So to have menagerie in this episode and also have the agent liberty stuff still going on him more so in the background while the children of liberty were were still a little at the forefront of this episode you know they don't always execute it perfectly but i think they're sort of building up a balance of these different things going on instead of just making it all about ben and the children of liberty well yeah because the number of antagonists in this episode is about half of the cast yeah (laughs) Haley is a bit of an antagonist. She doesn't want Supergirl to get credit, mainly for PR reasons. Uh, Lena is siding with the government to make militarized superhumans. That's going to go well. The president, his choices are do a huge amount of damage, but he's not doing them just to be evil. He is, as I have like to call him a populist ass, is just doing it for marketing reasons because he puts Pamela in an inappropriate jail. That's his choice. He frees Agent Liberty. That's his choice. So President Boxleitner is uh, making lots of bad calls, and hopefully those will bite him again. But I think he has something up his sleeve, though, because it almost seems purposeful that he releases Ben. I, I think the, line, the lines were given that Ben's popularity was greater than his. So by freeing him, he is attaching himself to some of the popularity wave and suspecting that it is just he's populist. He's, he doesn't really care one way or the other. He just wants what plays well for the um, voter. 
And maybe that's not the case, but if they're playing him to actually be a bad guy, I will be surprised. And I like being surprised by this show. Part of me kind of wonders if they are going to have the president order some sort of hit on Ben, just so he can sort of get him out of the picture. And, you know, who is going to actually think that the president would do something like that after he had just released him from prison. That's probably a wild idea, and I have no indication of that actually being the case, but it's something that I feel like this president wouldn't hesitate to do at the same time, given the other bad choices he has made. <laughs> the thing I see happening is we're going to have a three-way or so battle between the Children of Liberty, which will be the president's fault, and Manchester Black and Menagerie, and Menagerie is going to be free again because of the president's fault, and the military super people and Supergirl. So there's, there's four sides. Yeah. And I think all four of them are going to end up coming up. I don't know if they're going to do it all at the same time, but all of these are going to happen, and three of them are going to be the president's fault. So I, I still suspect what's going to happen is his choices are going to come back to haunt him. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see if he has some deeper plan. Either way, this show definitely has a lot left to do with most of these storylines. But if you don't have anything else in particular that you want to mention, I really want to talk about the whole Lena situation because I have had a lot of thoughts on this character pretty much since they introduced her. Uh, the only thing else I think I wanted to cover was Kara being obnoxious and assuming everything wrong with Alex is her fault. Yeah, I think with that in particular, you know, Kara thinks it's her fault, but the whole mind wipe thing has Alex's brain a little scrambled still. And Alex made that choice. That wasn't Kara's choice to make. You know, Alex was an adult and made that choice on her own. And even though she can't remember the fact that she made it, I think Alex just has some stuff that she has to work through. And we see that at the Valentine's Day party, too when she has that moment with the woman she went out with for drinks and she doesn't really remember her. And it's like, okay, is this because Alex is just really busy or is she not remembering this woman because of the mind wipe? And we never really find out the answer to that, but it seems like Alex is sort of getting her personal life back on track a little and not making everything about work. There was a brief bit of dialogue or a response from Kara earlier, which implied that Alex was dating a lot. And that maybe Alex didn't remember Becca because she had too many dates and it was in a sea. And I don't yeah. know if that's what they were presenting it as, but I agree. Kara seems to come out of the blue with this assumption that because Alex is protecting me, Alex can't go on with her life. And I really don't see any evidence for that except for the mind wipe. And that really was Alex's choice. And Kara still wasn't the one who mind wiped her either. You know, that was on Jean to do. So you have these characters making these choices and yet Kara is still feeling responsible for them. And it's like, yes, but she's your sister. Was she really not going to know that you were Supergirl? You know, she had known for so long, but because of Haley, really, that's why she had to forget. I have to say that this all came down to one line for me from John, when John says, I feel like this mind wipe has hurt our family in more ways than we could ever foresee. To which I think I said, oh, I foresaw them. Why didn't you <laughs> foresee them, John? Of course, yeah. this was disastrous. I'm actually surprised it's not causing more damage. 
it just seems bizarre to me that they didn't think this was going to cause a fair amount of damage. We'll see. But yeah, hopefully this is Alex putting her life back together again. And rather than showing Alex continuing on her plans to find a spouse and have kids, at least they're telling us that, oh, there's this reason why you haven't been seeing that in the show. And that's because yeah. Alex hasn't been doing it. So they sort of put a lantern on that and say, OK, well, maybe we'll cover this later in the season. A reminder to the audience, this is still ongoing. <laughs> so we'll see. But for Valentine's Day, I think we have to take on Lena and James. So what are your yes. feelings about the breakup <laughs> so on feelings. Valentine's Day? You know, I'm not as upset about the breakup as I am with how this show has treated Lena, not only in this episode, but it's something I've felt for a while now. Aside from Brainy, she's probably the second smartest person on the show. Actually, I'm like 99% sure that is the case. And yet she's the only one who couldn't put together that Kara was Supergirl, which at least they didn't have to mind wipe Lena, I guess. So that's somewhat of a plus there. But you have this character who is so intelligent and has all of these resources at her disposal. And at first, she seems so adamant to not be like the rest of her family. But they sort of make her seem not as smart as she is at times with the whole not knowing about Kara being Supergirl thing. And if anyone could figure it out, it would definitely be Lena. And then in this episode, you just sort of turn her into this villain and... I wouldn't say they necessarily forced the breakup with her and James because they had been having problems on and off for, I think, this entire season, pretty much. They had, you know, their arguments and everything like that, but they've kind of just slowly been turning her into a villain, and I don't think that's something I ever really wanted this show to do with the character. Without a doubt, Lena has been on a track to being a bit of a supervillain for about a season. Yeah. And I think very clearly there's been choice after choice after choice. Her uh, slowly growing conflict with Supergirl, her decision to try and keep the Harnell. Like all of this season has been, let's do baby step and baby step trying to show the path for Lena deciding to become a supervillain. And this is clearly a big final turn and I don't think they pulled it off. And I watched it twice, and I was watching it the second time, and I liked it a little more than I did the first time I watched it, but it still felt off to me. And some of it is Lena not knowing who Supergirl is, which is just astronomically silly. It's impossible for me to even think of a world where Lena has not figured this out. But beyond that, all of this is coming down to the scene where Lena and James are talking to each other about this. And James, who has been keeping her secret about this stuff he considers ethically questionable, mm -hmm. and he is asking questions specifically about her selling it off to the government to be militarized. And she doesn't respond to that at all. She responds to other arguments we're not seeing about how he will, she will not allow him to judge her for using my science for the betterment of humanity. And that's not what James is saying. They have this argument where neither of them are talking to each other, and I don't know if that's what the writers wanted to present. Because before Lena started that conversation, she like was looking out the mirror, she was looking at her phone. She decided at that moment that I'm going to do this, and I'm going to have to break up with James. 
Like, I, I think that was just a decision moment there. And therefore, I think maybe the conversation is irrelevant. And so the fact that they're not talking to each other is fair and an accurate representation. But it just came off as if they're trying to use this dialogue to argue for this path, they're not succeeding. Yeah. It was one of the downsides of this episode for me. And because we've already said numerous times that this episode was trying to do too much, it's like, okay, we get why you shove this in the Valentine's Day episode. But because of the lack of communication we've seen with them before, it didn't feel like it needed to be in this episode in particular. They could have waited until the next episode and just had them continue not really talking a whole lot. And I guess you want this to happen before they go to Paris. And if James isn't going with her, is Lena even going to Paris anymore anyway? So I feel like that was just like, oh, here, this is how we get them in a car together to force this conversation. And then James is just going to walk home, apparently. <laughs> they needed them to be about to do something really romantic to make it really painful when they don't. I think that was just a stakes issue for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Earlier on in the episode, James gives Lena a present, which was a picture of her, which I find questionable how perfect Lena's makeup is in the morning, if that was a picture of her waking up. And then we also get a bizarre line from Lena of, if your billionaire girlfriend can't whisk you away for a romantic holiday, then there really is something wrong with the world. She doesn't mention that it's also his boss telling him to do it. There's lots of strangeness in their relationship and it being Valentine's Day and just the stakes being raised in their relationship. At least they didn't go and propose to each other right before this happened. It could have been worse. Yeah, <laughs> that is very true. To me, I think it was rushed because Lena in the two episodes back, I think, we had a very good scene with Lena and James where she confides with him about what he, she's doing and asks him to be his conscience. And it would have been nice if we had one scene where he actually could act as her conscience and be listened to. And I find it just a little sad that there's a scene for him being her conscience, and then she dumps him because of it. That's where it would have been nice to have seen them try a little. And they just, they didn't seem to try here. I totally agree. I think it would have also been nice if we had more of a sense of what all Lena was doing. It's been a while since we've seen her little experiments with Eve and everything going on. And I really feel like if you're going to play this character off as a villain, they need to be feeding us a little more of that. Because I can't imagine Lena's only working on this one thing and that's it. Because it feels like with Elcorp, they're always working on so many different things that even though Lena's working on one thing in secret, we don't really know the extent of what all she is going to give to Haley. And I think that's something that maybe they're doing that so we're a little more terrified of what could happen. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, I don't really feel that invested in this character at this point because they've just done some weird stuff with her. They've done so many weird things with her. She will be redeemed, I'm confident. I don't think this is a one-way path. We will get Lena back, but I think she's going to have to see her research being used by the military and nasty stuff happening for her to realize she may have made a mistake siding with the government on this issue. Right. 
there's just no way around that. And I'm pretty sure the next time we see her, she will be producing some superhuman powers and people. And generally, shows are not very good at dealing with that because there's an economy of superpowers where you can't really have a show where everyone can get superpowers because it just breaks it looking like our world anymore. So they're going to need some solution to not have everyone being superpowered. Yeah, I guess for me, just because I've had problems with Lena's character for a good majority of her time on the show, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, you know, if they don't redeem her, it was kind of a waste of the character because she's never really been like a Lex Luthor in the comics, as far as I know. You know, he's always the one who's doing all of these horrible things, and they've even portrayed her mother in that same light. So you have all of this, and we still have the fact that Lex is going to show up in the show at some point. While I think it's bad if they use Lex and her brother showing up as a means of making her choose to be good, I would much rather her come to that conclusion somewhat more internally. Yeah. Maybe they'll use it that way. And yeah, Lex coming into the show throws a big wrench into that situation. It certainly does. And I'm hoping they just don't end up writing her character off either, or possibly even killing her off if Lex is coming into the picture. Who knows what what will happen with that wrench being thrown in, like you said. I would be absolutely shocked if we do not get a Lena redemption arc. I, I don't think they were doing this to this character for any reason except to have her go far off onto the deep end a bit, realize how far she's gone off, maybe realize who Supergirl is and that pushes her even farther, and then take a redeeming arc. Maybe they won't, but I would be absolutely shocked. I'm confident that they will go down that path. It'll be interesting to see how everything ultimately plays out, not only with the Lena storyline, but with pretty much everything they introduced in this, because it was really the first time that we saw Baby Liberty taking the reins, the first time we see what Manchester Black is up to since his previous appearance and teaming up with Menagerie since we were just introduced to her. There's just so much going on. It it almost makes my head hurt, but I hope that they can sort of figure this out. I feel like I'm sort of being a little pickier with these CW shows, and I don't know if it's because I watch literally all of them that I'm to the point where I'm like, eh, you know, you guys aren't doing all that great right now. (laughs) I'm down to just Supergirl and the technically CW show Black Lightning. And a bunch of the Children of Liberty stuff earlier in the season, I was starting to hurt a bit to watch. But since the break, I've been actually pretty happy with Supergirl, and I've been very happy with all the character work in Black Lightning. And Elseworlds really made me not feel like I needed to watch the other shows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it'll be interesting, too, what happens when they introduce the Batwoman show. And if that actually gets picked up for a full season and everything like that. I know the pilot was ordered. And, you know, we saw Supergirl have some interesting moments with Batwoman, like you said, (laughs) and it's like, okay, where exactly are they taking that? Are they going to introduce Batwoman to Alex or what's going on here? Because we have seen that happen with Alex and Sarah Lance. So it's like, oh, okay, that could be a direction that that goes in. But it could also be like Black Lightning, where Batwoman sort of just lives in her own world for a bit. It's really hard to tell because you also don't know which universes they're doing in. 
I'm still amazed that they left Supergirl in her own universe. Rather yeah, than I just pretend them. that doesn't happen. <laughs> you might as well just pretend it doesn't happen because it probably doesn't make any sense. We'll have to see. I, I liked the idea, which we'll see if it happens, regarding uh, Batwoman getting involved with the cop that Alex broke up with. Ah, uh, yes. Bring Maggie back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it might be nice if Maggie came back in that path. But we'll see. Time will tell. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you have any other thoughts about this episode or upcoming shows? No, I think that wraps it up unless people want me to go on and on about Lena because I probably could do that, but I won't <laughs> won't subject them to that. <laughs> you will have an option to join us, go on and on about Lena in future episodes because that's something <laughs> we do. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to thank the Incomparable Network for hosting us. Also, thank you all our listeners out there. We'd love to continue this discussion on the Incomparable Facebook group the members' Slack channel, and Twitter at SG Supercast. Finally, thank you, Deanna. Of course, and thank you for having me back on. I know I had a dry spell there where I wasn't on, but I was editing. <laughs> it's good to have you back. And we'll be back following the next episode of Supergirl. Supergirl.